Good morning. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It is the 7th of March. I apologize for not uh, doing the podcast yesterday between the work schedule and stuff that was going on at home. I was not able to accomplish that. Thank you so much for listening. There are so many things that I could lead off with today, but I wanted to lead off with a, a pretty important thing. We, we talked last week about how uh, Speaker McCarthy has essentially given Tucker Carlson all of the, uh, uh, or access to the video footage for what happened on January 6th of 2021 to review. You know, we, we did see clips of that. We have seen clips of that, uh, clips that the January 6th committee wanted us to see. For some reason, they want us to perceive that that was an unbiased account of what happened on January 6th. But if if you were to add up all the clips that have been made available, if you were to come up with an hour's worth of footage, I would be surprised. But what we have, have seen is that there are over 44,000 hours of total footage from all the cameras in the Capitol building. And Tucker Carlson has access to it. And he released uh, yesterday a first report on it. And he talked about a couple different things there, but I just wanted to highlight one. You know, during the January 6th committee hearings, they made light of, or they made much about Senator Hawley from Missouri, who was waving his fist to the crowd during the the Trump rally, and then how later on they had footage of him running away from the protesters, you know, and, and pointed out what a coward he was. Well, um, unedited footage, which is to add on to what the committee showed as evidence of that cowardice demonstrated that Josh Hawley was really the last in the line of congressmen and senators that were running and they were doing so under orders of the Capitol police, you know, the Capitol police, you know, the safety of the legislators uh, was paramount. And so they were trying to get them all consolidated into one safe place. Josh, Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley, was actually the last in the line of that group that was heading in that direction. But you wouldn't know that from the footage that the January 6th committee showed. Also showed uh, 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 the policeman that, that later died from a stroke. He did not die at the Capitol building, and it's evidenced in the footage. That he was uh, Brian uh, Swetnick, I think. Forgive me if I've got the name not exactly right. Um, was according to initial reports, hit over the head with a fire extinguisher, where he, which caused him to die. And that is, of course, we already knew. Unless you watch CNN or MSNBC, we already knew that that is not what happened. That he died from a stroke. which a stroke can happen at any time. Sometimes it's precipitated by, by abnormal behavior. So, I mean, we can't completely discount that. 
um, that there was may perhaps have been an impact. Uh, but it was a stroke. It was not being hit over the head with the fire extinguisher, as evidenced by the footage demonstrated by Tucker Carlson yesterday, which showed him after the alleged event uh, still working work trying to do his job with the crowd. Also, there are numerous clips. Of course, you know, he's going to make it all available, but there are clips that show the Capitol Police showing, uh, you know, push, you know, uh, not necessarily fighting protesters, but accommodating protesters as they move through the Capitol. Uh, could this have been, at worst, a misdemeanor trespass for probably 99% of the people that were there? I would say that you would be hard-pressed, especially in Washington, D.C., in light of what they, the, the city council just passed, of any kind of charge. But, well, except for that they are Republicans, and so that does make a difference. But Worst-case scenario, the vast majority of people that were in the protest, or if you want to call them riots, it certainly was not an insurrection. There were no guns. And remember, President Biden himself has said that if you're going to take on the federal government, you better have F-15s. And I didn't see any F-15s flying the Confederate flag over Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Maybe you did. I did not. So to, to give any kind of credence to the term insurrection. I mean, there was probably more damage done on the day of the date, the day and date of uh, President Trump's inauguration than was done inside the Capitol on January 6th. The difference, of course, being that the damage was done to private property and not inside the Capitol building. So, yes, absolutely charge people that because there's no question, there is no way you cannot know who these people were. I mean, 44,000 hours of footage, you're going to have pretty much every angle, and it's pretty good. You're going to be hard pressed to say that you can't identify individuals. And that brings me to another point. The FBI has spent countless hours going through the records of people that they were able to identify at that January 6th uh, protest or riot as a worst-case scenario. Nothing compared, of course, to the summer of January or summer of 2020 where Black Lives Matter and Antifa burned and looted and destroyed property to the tune of billions of dollars, uh, of which the vast majority of people even if they were charged, the charges were dropped by the Biden administration. And most people weren't even charged. But I digress. Uh, Merrick Garland has said that the reason it's easier to prosecute pro-life protesters at abortion centers is because it's in the daylight. And it's hard to do that at night. You know, it's hard to hard to investigate crimes that occur at night. So criminals, the attorney general has uh, given you a blueprint for when to commit your crimes at night. Let's move on, shall we? 
you know, the media, of course, is trying to do damage control. They're going to point out that, that, you know, that the Tucker Carlson's videos that he's releasing of the footage are going to be highly edited and they're going to be steeped in a certain, in a certain bias. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that necessarily, although I would say that Tucker Carlson and the vast majority of Republicans, by the way, overwhelming majority of Republicans, including the president, then President Trump, were against this and were horrified by what was being played out in the media on January 6th, which you'd be hard-pressed to find a Democrat or a member of the media horrified at what happened in the summer of 2020. The other big story, well, actually, we're not going to go to the other big story right now. Uh, one thing I was just looking at as I'm watching Fox Business this morning, uh, so I went back uh, to do just a little bit of number crunching. Here we are two years into the Biden presidency. And while the numbers I'm going to give you for the Trump presidency or for his four-year term from the day after he was elected until the day that he uh, left office, uh, Dow Jones on 11-9 was 18,590. On January 1 of 20, or January 21st, 20th of 2021, the Dow was around 31,000. Now, mind you, mind you that the, that 31,188 is after nearly a year of COVID uh, with the economic repercussions from that. But if you take a look at that, that's roughly a, a 12,000 point or a 66% increase on the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, for the four-year period. So 31,188 is the baseline for the inauguration of, of uh, President Biden. Today, we're at 33,178, which is not even a 10% increase in the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, for the first two years of his presidency. On top of that, President Biden has uh, proposed, because Medicare, we know, is is in the red, will always be in the red. Um, I've highlighted the fact that, you know, that people think that they pay into this their whole lives, and so they're owed it. You know, if you were to take what they've paid in and then count that towards, uh, well, the system would be bankrupt if they say, okay, I mean, my mom, you know, had a pacemaker put in and that surgery alone and, and the testing leading up to that was over a hundred thousand dollars, which is probably 10 times what, what she'd paid in and my dad for their entire Medicare working career. And that was just for one event. So President Biden is proposing to increase uh, the Medicare payroll tax for those that earn over $400,000 a year. That won't be enough, by the way. And the way many of those of the uber wealthy, uh, the way their money is structured, and certainly if they pass this tax, um, they will restructure even more so that they don't get paid 
as earnings, but in other ways to avoid the tax. President Biden himself, uh, when he was when he was a private citizen uh, for the four years of uh, Trump's presidency, established an LLC so as to be able to to be taxed at a lower rate than what he would have been otherwise. And any person, any accountant, any lawyer that's managing finances for someone would do the exact same thing. You take advantage of the law. That's why the law needs to be changed. The law, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of tax code. And the vast majority of it is written by staffers of Congress that are listening to people, lobbyists, wealthy donors, etc., on how to write the tax code to, to maximize the wealthies or to minimize the wealthiest uh, Americans' tax burdens. And they'll just find a way around this tax, too. We're a little bit long, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. tomorrow. Today, as usual, it's the Uber Dark, the Creo Brew Spanish Roast. My favorite. How are you today? Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Senator Sanders, a uh, Democratic Socialist from Vermont, uh, goes to uh, Bill Maher. And Bill Maher asks him what the difference is between equality and equity. Because this is, you know, equity right now is the big is the big uh, uh, the big thing on the left you know they don't want you know you have on one hand you have you know you they want the equity you want to equalize actually equalize is a bad word equity they want to make sure that the outcomes are the same for everybody um, which of course as we've highlighted here the only way to do that is to make everybody poor But Senator Sanders could not really explain the difference between equality and equity. And so Bill Maher, trying to be helpful as always, mindful of the fact that Senator Sanders also is no spring chicken, um, points out that, you know, when people talk about equality, they usually talk about equality of opportunity, meaning that everyone has the same opportunities when they're born. Now, there's no way that you can make people walk on the same path. And it doesn't matter how miserable you make things, there will be those who rise above the worst possible circumstances. The only way that you can have equity of outcome is to intentionally push people down. But if you just leave, uh, uh, let nature take its course, there are some that are going always going to rise. Justice Thomas was born to a family of sharecroppers. He was raised by his grandfather, essentially. And yet here he sits on the highest court in the United States. John D. Rockefeller, you know, someone who was one of the richest people in the world, Andrew Carnegie, 
the same thing. These people did not rise from wealth. They created wealth. But anyway, back to the discussion between Bill Maher and Senator Sanders. Uh, so Bill Maher explains that equality of opportunity means that people you know, start off having the opportunity to be whatever they want to be, which is true even in this country. It doesn't matter how poor you start or what beginnings you start from. Clarence Thomas, perfect example. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, who was the secretary of HUD under President Trump, and he was a presidential candidate in 2016, uh, also was the head of pediatric surgery at Johns Hopkins University. He was born to a single mother that could barely read in Detroit, in the projects. Don't tell me that you are your fate is resigned to where you were born because that's not the case. But anyway, so equality of opportunity as opposed to equity, which is the outcome, meaning that everything comes out the same. And so Sanders kind of agreed with that. And so Bill Maher says, what side do you fall on? Do you fight on equality of opportunity or do you find, fall on equity of outcome? Senator Sanders gave the wrong answer for progressives because he said equality of opportunity. And guess what? That's what America is about. And we're going to talk about that here uh, when we get to the end of the podcast today. Because uh, I've mentioned Vivek Ramaswamy. He was on Gutfeld last night. Uh, I fell asleep during it because I was sitting in a chair that is always, I always fall asleep in. Uh, I won't do that again if I'm watching Gutfeld because I do enjoy it. And I watched it this morning and it was awesome. But no way do we all, I mean, we don't all start from the same circumstance, but we all start with the same opportunity. If you're born in the United States, you have the opportunity to rise above your environment. Or conversely, you also have the opportunity, if you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth, to end up uh, as nothing. No country on earth has movement through the classes like the United States. And that's in spite of progressives over the last hundred years trying to eliminate that movement because they don't like that movement. Particularly, they don't like people that that fight from, from nothing to get to the upper class, and yet they do, and they hate that. Progressives hate that with a passion because guess what? They can't control those people. Let's move on. Uh, President Biden um, is going to be catching some heat. Now, I think I mentioned it last week, but I'll mention it again. Uh, President Biden has said he's going to allow to go into law the uh, the Congress's uh, oversight of the city of District of Columbia by overriding the law passed by the city council, was vetoed by the mayor. Uh, they overrode the veto, but Congress is going to override the city council, and President Biden is going to let it uh, go into effect. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, no longer the the House Minority Leader, or of course Majority Leader, or Speaker, she felt like President Biden threw her caucus under the bus. However, the Minority Leader 
um, is standing with the president on this and allowing it to become law. Again, what the city council passed is essentially is going to take anything less than than uh, murder charges and make them into somewhat of misdemeanors, and most of which are not even going to face trials um, or even be considered crimes. So think about that. But while we're talking about President Biden, before we move on, um, he is going to be, or there's talk that he's going to re-implement uh, detention at the border for families instead of just taking them in, putting them on an airplane to some red state with the hope of diluting the, the color of that state over years when we ultimately give these people citizenship. Uh, there's talk that he's now going to implement some detention, um, which could slow the number of people coming to the border. Uh, COVID. News on COVID. Well, not COVID, but rather the covering of it. CNN, uh, it has been revealed in lawsuits that CNN intentionally did not investigate the lab leak theory because it was something that President Trump said. Now think about that for a minute. Here's the President of the United States going out and talking about a lab leak. And by the way, he's not alone in that. There are many actually... Uh, uh, very credible scientists who also felt that way. There were many others who felt that way until they were told by Dr. Fauci that they would be denied their grants for more research if they didn't get on board. But so CNN, blinded by the politics, refused to investigate. And that was ordered by the president of CNN. We also know that there was a study done that was published in the magazine Nature while it did not discredit the lab leak theory, what it did do, the study created a chain of events that led to Um, the conclusion that this was an evolution of a virus. Now, mind you, Dr. Fauci has a lot to lose on this because NIH was funding through a third party gain-of-function research at the Wuhan uh, lab of virology. That's out in the open now. Now, whether or not they actually funded this this research, we, we can't answer that because all the records for it have been destroyed, except for I bet they haven't. And if it becomes time to discredit the United States in front of the world, I bet China produces the evidence. But we now know that, yes, we were funding in the Wuhan lab through a third party, Echo Alliance, gain-of-function research. By the way, the head of Echo Alliance was one of the people that was on board with saying that this was not a lab leak. So go figure that. He had a lot to lose, of course, by by uh, uh, any kind of conclusion that it was a lab leak. So did Dr. Fauci. But here's the thing. So Dr. Fauci commissions a study, this research. He gives a grant to this research to prove that it's not a lab leak, but that it was an actual evolution of a virus. He edits the paper. 
and gets it published in, in Nature. So, you know, you have this published uh, research. But then he goes on, and in a press conference, he cites this research as evidence as if it was a third party when it was, in fact, Dr. Fauci. It was Dr. Fauci that commissioned the research. And then he points to that as evidence for that it was actual uh, evolution of the virus and not a lab leak from a gain-of-function study. I've mentioned uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, several times. You're going to hear me say a lot about him because he's saying all the right things. He At CPAC, which is the conservative uh, uh, convention in uh, this year's back in Washington, D.C., uh, Vivek uh, talked about the, na- the need to essentially destroy or eliminate the FBI and rebuild it from the ground up. Um, I would agree with the part about getting rid of the FBI um, and perhaps even rebuilding it, but not as not as a bunch of G-men running around with guns. But if they want to make it as a, a research facility where uh, DNA testing, um, evidence testing, etc., can be done for especially for cities and and localities that are too small to have that kind of investigatory uh, capability. We can perhaps discuss that. I'm not on board with that, by the way. I would see rather see those dollars go to states uh, and and localities to create their own laboratories or perhaps a regional uh, depots for research. But he's saying the right things about getting because the FBI, I think, is 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 um, mortally corrupted, meaning that there's no way to fix it as it is. Yes, I know thousands of agents are, are not the problem. But the problem is, one, Congress has passed so many freaking laws that the FBI are the ones that have jurisdiction over. First, they got to get rid of that. Second, you know, they've become completely politicized. In spite of Congress's attempts when they set up and uh, the how the FBI director has done, and I talked about the FAA administrator and the incompetent moron that they have uh, as a nominee for it, but he's black, so it's okay. Um, but the FBI director supposedly is immune from uh, political persuasion, which of course is blatantly obvious that that's not the case. You have Merrick Garland who's saying, well, we haven't charged anybody for, for create, for committing the felony of protesting in front of a judge's house, uh, to sway their decision. And the reason why, and he said, well, we sent the marshals and it was up to the marshals to arrest, except the marshals weren't there to put down the protests. The marshals were there to make sure that the protests did not erupt into violence against the family or the justices. The justices or the, the marshals were there to allow the protests to continue. So in reality, Merrick Garland could be charged with violation of statute. 
because he encouraged that by not giving the proper mandate to the marshals. Or at least he should be asked the question. General Garland, when you sent the marshals in, did you instruct the marshals that it was a felony to protest in front of a justice's house and that they needed to act as such? Or did you send them in to protect the justices' lives from injury? That should be the question that's asked because every answer that he gave indicates that he didn't want to end the protests. And the protests, every single person there, according to law, we can argue about whether the law, again, this is, falls under the, the the whole federal law statute thing that I mentioned. But the law is very clear. If they're there to protest to influence the decision, they've committed a felony. Anyway, Vivek uh, mentions the FBI. He also is hammering uh, the U.S. Department of Education. And no one needs to look any further than educational statistics in this country to see that the Department of Education has been nothing but an unmitigated disaster to education across this country. You want to take a look at SAT scores. You want to look to take a look at ACT scores. You want to look at, at proficiencies in reading and mathematics and writing. Look at a timeline where the Department of Education was implemented and see what happened to all of those things. Any objective measure possible. has been an unmitigated failure that can ultimately be traced back to the Department of Education. They throw out, they throw all this money at these school districts, but all that money has strings on it. Do this, do that, do the other. I'm really liking Vivek Ramaswamy. We'll see how that goes. But does he have a chance? Right now, I don't think so. Um, but I think that there's a long time between now and even the primaries. We're still just a little bit less than a year away from actual primaries um, for the Republican nominee. And in reality, I think that if if he were to go third party, I think that he could actually provide a chance because you're going to have a lot of Trump supporters that are not really Trump supporters. There are a lot of people that will support Trump if he's the nominee. But if there's an alternative, again, if Trump's the nominee, Haley, Pompeo, Pence, even DeSantis is tarred by the brush of Trump. Based on what happened here in Kansas, uh, last year with the Brownback episode, I don't think that any of them win, even against a brain-dead bite. It's the Snake River Lib. My life matters. Does yours? Have a great day.